So I took up running about 10 years ago. I've always enjoyed sport, did lots of sport at school, <clears throat> and I know that exercise makes me feel good. Um, and, and I tried going to the gym and I hated it because it's, well, it's just horrible, isn't it? Does anyone go to the gym? Oh, I don't know how you do it. Oh, I just didn't like it. It's just oh, too hectic. And, and I just like being outside. That's the thing about running. You can be outside. And it's quick. It's over very quickly running, for me anyway. <laughs> um, but the thing is, I have never won a race in those 10 years of running. There's a few reasons for that. One is I've never entered one. <laughs> That's probably the main reason, I'm sure. Um, and, and also, I'm not very fast. And I just kind of run for enjoyment. I don't train really hard to get faster. Um, I'm not that much of a masochist. Um, but winners, winners don't just jog for exercise like me. Um, they're really into it, aren't they? I don't know if you know anyone who's really into running. They kind of read all the magazines and they get all the apps and they train really hard and they push themselves. And I just don't work at it like that. So in this passage we're looking at this evening, um, the Christian life is likened to a run. Um, but it's not my kind of run. It's not a kind of gentle jog in the park. It's more the serious winner's kind of run. Um, and it's not the first time in the Bible that the Christian life is likened to a run. There's lots of occasions. In 1 Corinthians, for example, it talks about, um, do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to win the prize. It sounds pretty much like what we heard earlier, wasn't it? So I wonder, how are we feeling about our spiritual lives this evening? How are we feeling about the race? Are we kind of excited, all in, reading the books, getting the apps, doing all the stuff? Or are we coasting a little bit? Maybe looking around at the side of the track, seeing what else is going on, seeing who's in the crowd, having a little wave, stopping to take a phone call. That's what I do when I'm running, to be honest. Um, blowing my nose, that kind of thing. Um, maybe you've got a bit bored of the race. Maybe you've even kind of forgotten that we're in a race and you've lost sight of the finish line, wandered off, um, got sidetracked. And maybe there's some people here who haven't even started the race yet. You've kind of eyed up the track and you're wondering about joining. I don't know which of those um, you relate to. For me, I know that I want to run and I want to finish the race and I want to finish it well. I want to be all in until the end. I love it when I see people who are kind of ahead of me in the race and they're still really going for it. Isn't that an amazing thing? I love that Tom told us when he first arrived here, Tom told us that our 60s is our most productive decade. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm not quite there yet, but, you know, it's not going to be that long. And then apparently your 70s is your second most productive decade, so it's all to come. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to keep going to the end. So what, how do we do that? Let's see what we can learn from Paul in this passage about running the race well. There's a slide going to come up. I've just got the kind of headings, and then um, at the end of each section, I've got a question for us to, to think about. So the first thing that Paul 
tells us here is to have a growth mindset. I work in a school. It's something we talk about in schools, growth mindset, kind of being open to learning and growing and changing and not thinking that we're stuck where we are. So Paul has just been saying in the, in the bit before um, we've read um, that Karina spoke brilliantly on last week about putting Jesus first. Paul, Paul has said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. But then he says here, verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this. He's saying, I'm not there yet. That's the goal. Resurrection is the goal. That's where I'm heading. But I know I'm not there yet. I know that I'm on a journey. That's pretty amazing for Paul, isn't it? There's Paul, he's sat in a prison at this point in time, but over his, over his Christian life, he's planted, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 churches. He's led hundreds of people to the Lord. And yet he's saying, I know I'm not there yet. I know there's more to be done. You kind of think he might think, I'm in prison now. I'm just going to kind of sit back. I'm going to hand over the baton to, to somebody else and just take a breather. No way. He's not doing that. He's still in training. And he's acknowledging that he hasn't made it. And like Paul, that is so important for us to kind of own that we're not there yet. We have not made it. However long we've been following Jesus, whether it's a few months or years or decades, there's, there's always more, isn't there? We don't fully know Jesus yet, as Paul talked about in verse 10. He's not yet done in us all that he wants to do. We probably know that at the end of every day, there's more to be done in our lives. And sometimes it's tempting, isn't it, to give up on, on keeping moving on, on growing more like Jesus. We, we settle for the lie that, do you know what, this is just how I am. Kind of take it or leave it, this is me. It's not going to get any better than this. That's not true. And it wasn't Paul's worldview as he writes to his friends in Philippi. He was still fully engaged in the race. And in verse 12, he says this, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That, that word that he uses, take hold, it's kind of, it doesn't, our translation doesn't really capture it. It's talking about, I was watching rugby this afternoon. Was anyone watching rugby this afternoon? Those rugby players, they really take hold of each other, don't they? You know, they like grab each other and wrestle each other to the floor, basically. That's the kind of taking hold that he's talking about here. It's a grabbing hold of, or like a policeman grabbing hold of a robber and he's not going to let him go. It's that kind of taking hold. And Paul is saying that Jesus had taken hold of him like that. Paul had been persecuting Christians. He'd been murdering them until God took hold of him, grasped hold of him. And Paul's saying, now I get to do that with God. I get to take hold of God in the same way that he took hold of me. And for Paul, it's a delight. It's not a chore. It's not something he's got to do. No, it's, an, it's something he gets to do. It's not a burden. 
He knows he's been apprehended by God and his life is no longer his own. And he knows he's in the middle of the race. It's not done yet. He's pressing forward. How about me? How about us? Are we taking hold of God? Are we like chasing him down, pursuing him with all that we have? Are we being active in our spiritual life, not just kind of sitting passively? Christianity isn't a hobby that we kind of take up and bolt onto our life, is it? Like maybe, I don't know, learning a language. Um, It's not something we take up. It's something that takes us up. It's something that turns us upside down and reorients our whole life around the person of Jesus. And there's always more to learn about that. There's always more of my life to surrender. Our money, our time, our talents, our sexuality, our family life, our work life, our leisure time, all of it belongs to him. There's nothing outside the scope of that taking hold. So here's our first question. Where is God growing me in this season? Where am I on that journey? Is there an area that he's working on my character or my obedience to him? Just going to give you a moment to, to think about that, just to let God speak into that. We'll have time to come back to these questions later. So that's the first thing, growth mindset. We're not there yet. There's so much more. So the second thing we see from Paul is to... Oh, no, it's up there, isn't it? I need to point it. No. Can we move move it on? It's not going to... There we go. Is to keep our eyes forward. So Paul goes on in verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. One thing I do, says Paul. There's like a focus there, isn't there? a straining, an intentionality about Paul in this race. Do you ever watch the 100 metres race in the Olympics or the World Championships or whatever? It's incredible, isn't it? They're all kind of lined up on the line and they're poised and then the gun goes and, and like every single step matters and every sinew is straining and then they get to the, the, the thing, you know, they're just like headed for that finish line and nothing is going to distract them and then they get there and they kind of dive for the line. It's amazing. It's so focused and intentional. And they're definitely not looking around to see what's going on next to them. They're not looking behind to see who's coming up. No, they're just keeping their eyes totally forward and they've got one goal in mind to get to the tape at the end of the track. That's Paul's one thing. 
and he urges us as his brothers and sisters to do the same as he's doing, to reach the end of the race well. So how did he do it? He says he forgets what's behind and he strains ahead. Now, it'd be a bit strange in, in the Olympics if, you know, somebody turns up for the race and they're kind of on their phone, they've got some shopping bags or they kind of wash bag with them, doing their makeup. Um, that would be unusual, it would be surprising, because they leave all that stuff behind in the changing room, don't they? And they're just like, wear, oh, ow. They wear their lycra and, um, you know, they're, they're ready to go. And Paul's saying that we should be the same. We should leave our baggage behind. So what's he talking about? What's, what is the stuff that we need to leave behind? Well, maybe it's sin and guilt and shame from stuff that we have done in our lives that we know was not a good choice. Maybe it's attitudes and things we've said that have hurt us and other people. So maybe it's sin that we've done. Maybe it's sin that's been done to us that has left us with anger and bitterness and disappointment and pain. And Paul is saying we need to let go of those things because we need to be free to run the race with freedom. We need to get our eyes off the rear view mirror and on to the track ahead. So I, I'm not saying we don't need to deal with those things. We absolutely do need to deal with those things. And often that will take lots of conversations with wise friends or trained counselors or whatever we need to do to work through and process those things. But we don't camp there. We don't stay there. We deal with them and we move forward. Maybe Paul's also thinking about forgetting the good stuff that's happened. Sometimes we kind of hark back to the good old days, don't we? And say, oh gosh, do you remember when God was doing this? Or, you know, we have some great times in our lives with God. And we, we end up kind of living back there and thinking that's never going to happen again. Paul's saying, don't do that. There's always more to come. The best is always still to come in the Christian life. That's the truth. The best is always still to come because we're headed to heaven. There's more, there's more joy, there's more purpose, there's more good works prepared for us to do. There's more character formation. There's more of God's love to be received and given away. There's always more. We are not yet who we will be. But when Jesus looks at us, he sees who we are becoming. He sees the fully resurrected, fully free, fully mature followers that we will be when we know Jesus. It's why it talks about in, uh, in verse 16, Paul says, let's live up to what we have already attained. Our destination, our resurrection is assured. It's not a possibility. It's, we've already attained it in one sense. So let's live up to that calling and not look back. Let's look forward to that. And I think he might also be saying, don't look around at what other people are doing or at what God is doing with other people. 
don't know if you remember the story of Jesus and Peter. After, after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus had that conversation with Peter where he kind of reinstated him after Peter had denied Jesus three times. And then after that conversation, Jesus starts telling Peter the kind of death that Peter is going to die. And it's not great news. He's, he ends up getting crucified himself, Peter. Um, and as, as they're having that conversation, um, Peter's kind of rival disciple, John, walks past them. And Peter's like, oh, Jesus, what about him? What's going to happen to him? Um, and Jesus very gently says to him, don't worry about him. You follow me. You follow me. Don't worry about what I'm doing with somebody else. Follow me. So, here's our next question. Keeping our eyes forward, what do I need to leave behind? Is there maybe unforgiveness that I need to deal with, that I'm holding on to? Am I living on past glories and settling for where I've got to? Is there a chapter in my life that it's time to close? That's kind of one question rolled up into three questions. But, um, yeah, just asking God, what are you saying to me about keeping my eyes forward? Let's have another moment of quiet. So finally, <clears throat> Paul's third nugget of wisdom for us in how to run this race well is to live with the prize in mind. Maybe. Live with the prize in mind. There we go. Um, so Paul would have had in his mind the, the Greek games as he's, as he's um, writing this. And, and in the Greek games, the sprint race was um, like straight down the, the stadium, straight down the middle of the stadium. Um, and then um, as they hit the finish line, the winner would walk, so there's the, the steps of the stadium in front um, of the winner as he gets to the end of the line. And he would, he would, the winner would carry on walking up the steps to um, what was called the Bema seat, B-E-M-A, where the judge of the games would be sitting. And if the king was in town, he would be in that seat. So the, the winner gets to go up these steps in front of the whole crowd, and, and the king says the winner's name and puts a crown on his head. That's what Paul is thinking about. And uh, so when, when Paul says... Um, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. That's the picture in his head, walking up those steps to the king's seat. That's where we're headed. We are headed up those steps as we finish the race. That's our destination for those of us who are following Jesus. We will get to King Jesus at the top of those steps, and we will hear him say our name, and he will put a crown on our head. It's an amazing thought. 
And verse 21 in our passage speaks more into this. It talks about um, Jesus, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our bodies will be transformed with power so that we will be able to live in this new reality, in the new heavens and the new earth. Because that's where we truly belong. That's the prize we're headed to. In fact, um, in verse 20, Paul says, our citizenship is already in heaven. That's our home even now. This life and everything here, which is so all-consuming when we're here, is actually, it's just a season. It's a bit like we're on a camping trip away from home. Home is heaven. We're on a camping trip. We're living temporarily here. But one day we will get back home when the saviour that we're waiting for, that Paul talks about, comes back to earth. And the, in, in the Bible talks about this beamer seat um, in other places, and it refers to the judgment seat of Christ. But it's not a judgment that is deciding whether we will be saved or not. That has already been decided. We already know there is no condemnation if we are in Christ. But there will be a calling to account for how we spend our time while away on the camping trip. How we use what God has given us really does matter. And it will be laid out when we get to that judgment seat before Jesus. He will ask us what we did with what he gave us. I don't know if you remember the, the parable of the talents in Luke 19, where the master gives each of the servants a, a minor, a talent, a sum of money, um, and asks them to, to use it well while he's away. Um, and some of them... Make, make money with the, the talent and one of them buries it and does nothing with it. And, and what Jesus is saying is that it matters what you do with what I've given you. We're destined to rule with Jesus over the new heavens and the new earth. And the amount of responsibility we get will vary according to how we invest the gifts he gives us. That's what that parable is telling us. So let's keep the prize in mind. Our destiny is to rule and reign with Jesus. It's a big prize. And by contrast, Paul tells us in this passage, the destiny of those who reject Jesus, who've opted out of the race, who've turned away from the one who calls them to his love. Their destiny is very different. Their destiny is destruction. I want to make it to the seat of the king, to hear him say my name, and for him to put that crown on my head. We need to live with that finish line in mind. So here's our last question. Am I living with the awareness that my true home is in heaven? How am I using the gifts God has given me to build his kingdom for eternity? Let's have a moment of quiet again.
So here's Paul's wisdom for running our race well. Have a growth mindset, keep our eyes forward, and live with the prize in mind. Let's learn to will the one thing that Paul calls us to here to press on towards the goal to win the prize. It's quite intense language that Paul uses, isn't it? Maybe not very British. But when we take hold of the giant yes that God has spoken over our lives, the promise of that upward call of God in Jesus to an eternity with him, that giant yes allows us to say a thousand no's to things that are going to take us away from that one thing. So let's press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Shall we stand together? I'm going to, um, we're going to put the, there's, uh, the final slide has got all the questions that we've been looking at. Um, I'm just going to pray um, and then I'm just going to ask God to kind of settle in our hearts maybe one thing that he's been speaking to us this evening. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you, you long to, um, to work in us this evening. Thank you that you speak through your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would soften our hearts to hear you clearly now, that you would just highlight one thing that you want us to take from this evening, either to encourage us or challenge us, something we need to do. Holy Spirit, would you come and settle that thing in our hearts now? You may just want to put out your hands as a sign of receiving something from God. Come, Holy Spirit. just reminded that God is, God is always waiting for us with open arms. He's not frowning. He's not standing with his arms crossed saying, I told you so. He's, he's the, the father in the story of the prodigal son who runs to meet us when we turn back to him. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you're waiting for us to, to get back into the race, to to fix our eyes on the prize again.